You are listening to the Living Way Church podcast. For more information about Living Way Church, go to livingwaychurch.cc. Well, Merry Christmas to you all. We are going through a survival guide of sorts, a, a, a guide to help us stay on perspective. Because really, Christmas is a question of perspective. Because when you think about Christmas, there's a lot of different views in which we can take it. Uh, for some, it's exciting, it's fun. It can't get enough. Some of you, Christmas began two weeks before Thanksgiving, right? Some of you got, who here listens to Christmas music before Thanksgiving? Quite a few of you. All right. See, some of you, you can't get enough, right? It's almost sad. How long do you listen to Christmas music afterwards? Like into January a little bit, anyone? I do. I do. You know, the world celebrates Christmas until about January 6th and 7th. And so that's when Epiphany happens in Europe and stuff. So, so to me, it's Christmas until the 8th, and that's when I kind of stop listening. For some, you can't get enough. For others, it is stressful. It's just busy. It's cooking. It's, it's parties, and it's more parties, and it's fun, but then there's more to go to. And then there's shopping, and, and there's wrapping, and all these kind of things. And how many of you know, it's a lot of work to pull off Christmas. It is. I mean, it's a lot of work to put up Christmas lights and, and to put, a, put up a Christmas tree and to do all the extras that kind of make Christmas special if you have kids. To, it's just a lot of work. So for some, it can be stressful. For some, the holidays are just frustrating uh, because there's money issues and that's frustrating. And then there's travel and travel can be frustrating. And, and then there's uh, Family, you know, maybe family you get along with and some that you don't. So hanging out with certain family can be frustrating. And then for some, Christmas is, is bad memories uh, of, of Christmases when you grew up that weren't so fun. And for some, it's a new memory without someone you love. And this could be a Christmas that you'll never forget because it's the first one with someone that you loved gone. So Christmas is all about perspective. And many of us have different perspectives. And sometimes during the holidays, uh, we lose perspective of what Christmas is really about. So what I want to do during this survival guide is to help us to get our eyes back on what Christmas is really about. And last week, survival guide rule number one was that Christmas is all about the presence. It really is all about the presence. In Matthew 1.23, the Bible says that Jesus is called Emmanuel, God with us, which is literally means God is present. And listen, God is present yesterday. He's present today, and he'll be with you tomorrow. His presence is a gift to you. Christmas is all about his presence, which is the gift of his presence it's all about the presence. So today, we're going to do another survival guide tip. And today, you can't have Christmas without the tree. You can't have Christmas without the tree. Today is all about the decorations of the tree and that kind of thing. So how many put Christmas lights up? Anybody got lights up on their house? On the outside. Outside light people. Let's see. All right. Who have lights inside? Inside light people. All right. Christmas tree people. All right, how many of you are like, bah humbug? <laughs> All right, how many of you are planning on doing a light or a tree and it's just not up yet? All right, it's not too late, it's not too late. As a kid in Indiana, we did real trees. We always did real trees, not this, this fake tree stuff that the South does. So 
Uh, that's all we have now is a fake tree, but it's a good-looking tree. But up north, it was like, man, we went and hunted for a tree and found a tree and had to figure out how to get it on the car, ruined all our cars, right? Just messes up the top of them. We brought it home, you know, branches and sticks and little, the, 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 they're falling apart everywhere. But in order for the tree to last, we usually put up our tree like two weeks before Christmas. So you guys are good on time. So you get the tree. Have you guys ever watched those like those light Christmas tree or Christmas light contests on like on uh, on television? Like on man, those are amazing. Where they have these houses that are like spending hundreds of thousands of dollars to light up their house. And I just read a story this past week where there's a whole neighborhood petitioning against a guy in his house because his house has become a nuisance to the neighborhood. I'm like, this is like some out of like a TV show. Come on. It's just, it's Christmas. It's Christmas lights. It's the tree. And I really want you to know, survival guide number two is you really can't have Christmas without the tree. But to understand this, we got to go back to one of the early stories of the Bible of, uh, of the Christmas story, and that is in Matthew chapter 1. Luke is a story about the birth and life of Jesus through the eyes of Mary. Matthew is a story about the life and birth of Jesus through the eyes at the beginning of Joseph. So they have different perspectives. Luke focuses on Mary and her family and her family tree, while Matthew focuses on Joseph, his family, his family tree, and his experience. So let's take a look at Matthew, Christmas through the eyes of Joseph. So Joseph had pledged to marry Mary. That sounds like a, a group name, Mary Mary. In fact, I think it is a gospel group. Uh, Joseph was pledged to marry Mary. Then he found out that she was pregnant, and she said it was a miracle. And he was not convinced. <laughs> so can you imagine that for just a moment, you're... Now, they loved God. They were followers of God. So imagine you're a Christian young man, and, and you're dating a Christian young woman... And you are engaged to get married, and things are moving forward. The date is set, and it's it's a good to go. And she shows up, I'm pregnant, and it, it it's a God thing. And he's like, I'm not convinced. You know, I thought you loved Jesus. I thought you were a Christian. I, I, I'm so conflicted here. Joseph wanted to call the whole thing off. He was, as you might have guessed, this was a problem for his heart. So just as he was about to end this relationship, an angel shows up. Verse 20, chapter 1 of Matthew says, And an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and and said to him, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to, to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. So this is a God plan. What she says is true. If you want to know her story, look at Luke chapter 1 and Luke chapter 2. We're going to look at that next week. He says, this is a God thing. This is from the Holy Spirit. In verse 21, she will give birth to a son, and you're to give him the name Jesus, which is the word Yeshua. It's, it's a very common name in the early uh, time of Christ, and basically it's a powerful name. We'll talk about it in a minute. You'll name him Yeshua because he will save his people from their sins. And all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, that the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us or God is 
present. Christmas is all about the present. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate the marriage until after Jesus was born later. So what I want to do is I want to use this as a backdrop to tell you, first of all, why Christmas is all about the tree. And you can't have Christmas without the tree. But I want to give it through some steps of things, four things you will never see on a Christmas card. All right, who's starting to get Christmas cards? Anybody? I've got two on my piano. So my address is 5817 Vista Park, Sexy Lane. I, don't, I, don't, I like those Christmas cards. Uh, we used to give Christmas cards, but then we forget. So it's like, oh, my goodness, I guess you're getting a New Year card, and then we forget that too. All right, so uh, thank you for those of you that remember Christmas cards, four things you will not see on a Christmas card. Here's the first thing you won't find on a Christmas card, phrases you won't open it up, and it won't say, Christmas is a problem. Christmas is a problem. But it's the truth. Christmas is a very big problem. It reminds us that we have a problem. In fact, the name that the angel told Joseph that was going to be the Savior's name, his name, Yeshua, Jesus, shows us that there is a problem. Because his name, Yeshua, Jesus, means God or Yahweh who saves? God saves. So he's saving. His name implies that we need a savior. Now that's a problem because some of you might be thinking, a savior? What do I need a savior for? What do I need saving from? Luke chapter 2, the shepherds in the field were told the same thing by the angels. The angels said to him, don't be afraid. The angels appeared to the shepherds. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for other people today. In the town of David, a Savior will be born to you. He is Messiah, the Lord, the one you've been looking for, waiting for, praying for, that Messiah, that anointed one. He's here to save you. Now, some of you, you're wondering, what in the world do I need to be saved from? Listen, you might want to write this down. We only need a Savior when all is lost. You only need saving when you're drowning, when you're helpless. You see, that's why he came. He did not come because everything was merry and bright. He did not come because all was well. He came because all was wrong. Christmas reminds us that there is a significant problem with us. That's why he came, which is another thing you won't find on a Christmas card, and that is the reason for the season is sin. You won't find that on a Christmas card. You might have the reason for the season. Jesus is the reason for the season, right? But at the, at the heart of it, the reason for Christmas is sin. Because we have a problem, we needed a Savior, a Savior from what? Our sin. Christmas reminds me, and Christmas, when you look at that nativity, when you think about that Christmas morning, it should remind you Christmas, every time you sing a Christmas song, it should remind you, you are 
and I am a sinner. Christmas is a reminder that you and I are sinners and we are broken and we have a serious need. Well, you might think, well, I'm pretty good. I'm a pretty decent person. No, not even you. The Bible says in Romans 3.10, as it is written, there's no one righteous, not even one. Zero. The universal sign for nada. (laughs) You know, that's you. No one is righteous. There's no one who understands. There is no one who seeks God. All have turned away. They have together become worthless. There is no one who does good, who does good, not even one. Every person has this problem. Christmas is a reminder that we have a serious problem and we need a savior. So when we sing those songs, it reminds us that we need help. Romans 3.23 says, all have sinned and fall short. All of us. That includes all of you. Every person in this room, on this planet, when you go out to lunch today, every person in that restaurant, all of them have fallen short of God's glorious standards. When you go shopping, all of those people, every teller, Every assistant, every retail specialist, every bank assistant and teller, every person, every waitress, every coworker, all of us have fallen short. This is a serious problem. Christmas reminds us, you got a problem, man. Turn to your neighbor and say, you got a problem. It's pretty clear no one is going to heaven with a sin problem. Nobody. And you say, you know what, Ted, I just follow my heart, man. I'm just, you know, I'm trying to be a good person. I try to be positive. I just follow my heart, you know, let my conscience be my guide. I let Jiminy, Jiminy the Cricket give me the best advice when I was a kid. Just follow your heart, follow your conscience, but we can't. Jeremiah tells us in 17, chapter 17, verse 9, he says, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand? You're like, well, that's not what my God thinks about me. My God would never think that about me. Well, You're incorrect. Genesis 6, 5, the Lord saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only continually evil. It was evil continually. That's our heart, always thinking what we can get and how we can get it. You see, we live our life to satisfy the me. Every one of you, all of us, Everything we do is motivated out of me. Think about it. Even the good things that you do are often motivated so that you can feel good about me, about yourself. It's a, an attempt, like all the great things you do for somebody are oftentimes to not make you feel guilty You know, whether you're a parent trying to love on your kids, if I can just do this right, then I'll feel good about myself as a parent. Or as a friend, or as a husband, or as a wife, or as a human being. So even the good things we do sometimes are birthed out of self-righteousness, an attempt to make ourselves feel better. See, this is a core foundational issue in the Bible known as total depravity. Everybody say total depravity. It's a great word. It's a biblical principle. Isaiah 53 says, all, who? All. All of us. Are like sheep 
That means we're cute but dumb. All of you, you're cute, you're beautiful, but dumb. You're cute because they follow everything. If one were somehow in the front and just heading off a cliff, they would all just fall off a cliff. If they would all, if one or a few in the front would run into some thorn bushes, they'd all just run into some thorn bushes. So Jesus, I thought it was great, he says, you're like sheep. You're like, oh, that's cute and adorable. No, that means you're, you're great at following, and sometimes you follow the wrong things. It says all of us, like sheep, have followed the wrong thing. We have gone astray, it says. We have turned everyone to his own way. We want, and it's like I want, I want, I want, and I want what I want, and I'm going to do what it takes to get what I want, and that's the problem, total depravity. It's our heart. Then Isaiah gives a promise, and the Lord has laid on him the Messiah, the iniquity of us all. So here's the definition of total depravity. It's every part of us is leaning towards what is wrong. We're born with this problem. We have a total inability. We are totally incapable of doing right apart from God. Christmas reminds us you're selfish. It is. It's a problem. You won't find that on a Christmas card. You're selfish. Merry Christmas. <laughs> But that is the issue of Christmas. It's our natural bent. Something even a child displays. If you've ever had a child, you know, some of the first things that they do is run away. The first time they learn to walk, they're walking to mom and dad. The second thing they learn is to run away from mom and dad, right? And you're like chasing them around the house, right? You don't ever have to teach your child to, to take something that doesn't belong to them. They just take things. You don't teach them to bite. They just bite people. You don't teach them to, to hit. They hit. You have to teach them not to bite, not to take, not to run. You have to teach them those things because they have a natural bent towards selfishness and rebellious. And, you know, we're all like that. Every one of us, we're born with this bent, this total depravity, this, this evil intention of rebellion in our heart. All of us. We tricked our daughter uh, by naming her Noel. So when she was about to do something, we go, no, L. See, that way she was like, oh, so she never thought we were saying no to her, so we just were saying her name, no. Oh. So our spirit by nature follows what is wrong. In John 8, 34, Jesus says that we are slaves to sin. And in the Romans 6, Paul repeats this and says that we are natural sinners, dead in sin. Let me, let me, let me tell you something. Everybody take a deep breath. Now, I told you to take that, but you know what? You've been breathing this whole time. Right? I didn't, I didn't teach you how to breathe this morning. You've been breathing since the day you were born. It is a natural part of how you were created. Guess what the Bible says? You are a natural sinner. It just comes natural to you. You don't choose to sin. You sin. Right? As natural as breathing is for us from the moment we are born, sin is a natural part of our spiritual nature. When we are born. And you don't choose to sin. You sin. When we follow Christ through the Holy Spirit, we choose to follow his will rather than our will. So we change directions and we choose not to sin by obeying and following his will. So you didn't wake up and you didn't accidentally sin. You're a sinner. You sin. Right? It's as natural as you're breathing. And that's the problem. Humanism says that we are good 
at our core. That we can naturally do what is right if we're just, you know, clear out the peripheral, that we are socially good people at our core. But we have totally found this to be untrue. Just pick up a history book, read a newspaper, watch the news. People are evil, man. People are about, here's just some of the things I've read recently. A father who threw a two-year-old over a bridge. Uh, mothers who are microwaving their babies. Uh, recently, a sexy mom a couple of years ago shot her son near the holidays. Coaches molesting kids. The sex slave industry is the largest it's ever been in the history of the world. And we just read it and we move on. That's evil. How can we read this and go, hmm, that's terrible, and then go have some coffee? You know what the problem with the world is? It's me. It's me. I'm what's wrong with the world. No more pointing fingers. We are no different than the worst of sinners. I had a great privilege this last week to join Larry and Adela at East Ham Prison. Violent offenders, it's considered one of the most uh, intense prison experiences in the entire state of Texas, it's been featured uh, in the press over the years. They've kind of become a great prison now, but it's still a, 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 a violent offenders. Most of those guys are there for, for years, some of them 20, 30, 40, 90 plus years. Some of those guys are never going to get out. And as I sit there, I think, you know, we're no different, brother. We are the same. If it wasn't for the grace of God, I'd be right where you are. If I were to act out my heart, if you were to act out your heart, our sinful, depraved heart, we would all be there. Because our heart is wicked, and we're no different. You're not any better. You know what the problem with the world is? It's you. Merry Christmas. <laughs> you won't find that on a card. If there's anything good in us, anything righteous, anything loving, it's only because God is working through us. The Bible says that we can't even want to know him without the Holy Spirit. Jesus uh, had said this, and Paul said it again in 1 Corinthians 12, 3, that no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. You don't even want him without the Holy Spirit because we are totally depraved. We can't grasp the true glory of Christmas unless we understand this incredible problem. If we don't get this, we will miss Christmas. Sin draws a line between you and God, a problem we can't solve. And the Bible is clear on this. We can't do anything to help it. Isaiah 64, 6 says, we have all, everybody say all. We have all become one who is unclean and all our righteous deeds are like a polluted garment. Now, just to kind of give you an illustration, not to kind of get gross, but that polluted garment, the literal there means menopause rags. He says we're all like filthy garments. We all fade like a leaf, and our iniquities and our sins are like the wind. They just take us away. You see, the problem with Christmas is twofold. It reminds us of two things. The problem with Christmas is that we are sinners by nature, and we are sinners by deed. We are sinners because that is who we are. It's as natural as we breathe. And we're sinners because of the things that we have done. That's a problem. You can't make that right. You can't fix that. So Christmas came. Christmas. Isaiah 59, 2, the iniquities have made a separation between our God and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear us. 
But many don't think they need salvation. Many of you don't think you need a Savior. Many of you don't think you have a problem. Many of you don't think you need to be saved from anything. Well, are you ready for some good news? Those of you that understand this valuable Christmas experience, here's the third thing you won't find on a Christmas card, and that is the promise of Christmas is blood. You're not going to see that on a Christmas card, but that is really what the promise of Christmas is. The promise of Christmas is not a baby in a manger. It's not lying a child in a cradle. It's a man hanging on a cross. That is the promise of Christmas. See, Christmas is both a problem and a promise. The problem is massive, and the solution, the promise is magnificent. So complex, so unique, that only God could orchestrate the entire thing. Look at the shepherds in Luke chapter 2. They are out in the field when an angel appears before them and begins to tell them about this great promise that has come. He says, verse 10, he says, The angel said to them, the shepherds, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news. Everybody say good news. There's good news for our problem, and there's good news for our sin. There's good news that will cause great joy for all the people, for everyone. Today in the town of David, a Savior, because you needed saving, has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes, in cloths, and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth. Peace to those whom his favor rests. Man, God has his favor or grace on many of us. And blessed are you who has his grace. This is why a baby was born. This is why he came. The problem of Christmas is that we are filthy, we are dirty, and we need a Savior. But the purpose of Christmas was to get that baby to the tree. To get Jesus from the cradle to a cross. To rid us of sin. The promise of salvation. You cannot have Christmas without the tree. I'm talking about the cross of Christ. You can't have Christmas without blood, without the cross. See, kin, sin came through the temptation of a woman, Eve. But salvation came through one born of a woman, Mary. Death entered through one man's disobedience, Adam. But life was restored through one man's obedience, Jesus. The enemy, Satan, conquered humanity by the tasting of the fruit of a tree. But Christ conquered the enemy by bearing the fruit suffering on a tree. 1 Peter 2.24 says this, that he, Jesus, bore our sins in his body on the tree so that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his stripes, amen, we are healed. Our spiritual state of brokenness and depravity, our sin nature has been conquered through the cross of Christ, and we are healed. See, the cross was often referred to as the tree. You can't have Christmas 
without the tree. Christmas is about the man in red. I'm not talking about Santa, but Jesus covered in his blood on the cross. You can't have Christmas without the man in red. Romans 1.6, for while we were still weak, we couldn't save ourselves, and we were broken, it says, at the right time. What time are they talking about? Christmas morning. At the right time, at the right moment in history, he was born, and then Christ died for the ungodly. That's us. That's us. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps a good person would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We caused a problem of sin, but God brought a promise of salvation. God was moving toward us. That is Christmas. Here's the fourth thing you won't find on a Christmas card is that the purpose of Christmas was Easter. The purpose of Christmas was Easter. But it didn't end there on the cross. It didn't end with a bloody tree. Christ was buried and he rose again. Jesus rode back to the throne with a pit stop on the cross and a tomb. Let me illustrate with this um, illustration I like to use here. In the beginning, God... Created the heavens of the earth and man. And he created man to be in fellowship with him. So God walked with Adam in the cool of the garden. They had fellowship. God created us to, to, to walk with him and to talk with him and to commune with him. But man in our rebelliousness turned from God. And did our own thing. Like many of you, you do your own thing. We are born now with this sin nature as a result of the fall of Adam. And every generation from then on has a nature or bent towards what is wrong. But on Christmas morning, God became a man. So that he might meet with us and talk with us and fellowship with us. But again, the Bible says that the Word was God and the Word was with God and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. But the Bible says in John 1 that there are those that couldn't believe that it was God walking with us. And so they turned away from God. But then we see through the Gospels, Jesus meeting with everyone. The woman at the well that was rejected. He sat and he talked and he fellowshiped with this woman and, and brought her to the knowledge of who he was. And then he met a man who was despised and hated, a man named Zach, Zacchaeus. And he says, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to go face to face with you and have dinner with you, Zacchaeus. And he had fellowship with Zacchaeus. And, and then he met many of those that were demon-possessed. And he would sit down with them and deliver them and and clothed and in their right mind, they would have fellowship. That is why he came so that we could be in union again with him. But ultimately, we in our sinful nature turned from him. And while he was alive in this earth, he was crucified and buried. And the enemy thought that he had won. But this was part of the Christmas 
story. And this was part of the plan. Because though he was crucified and buried, he rose again and eventually ascended to heaven. And now he sits on the throne of glory as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. We still are living in the depravity of our heart with our back turned to God. But John 1 says, if anyone will receive him, turn to him, they become children of God. See, and here's the reality of of this life is it is a brief moment and we will all die. Every one of us. But for those of you that have trusted in Christ, this is not the end. The Bible says if you trust in him, Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. If anyone believes in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And not only will we rise to him, but we will be seated in heavenly places with him to live in fellowship and unity with him forever. That's the Christmas story. This is what Christ has done. This is why Christmas is about Easter. This is why he came. This is what it's about, Isaiah 9, 6, 4. To us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government will be upon his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, the Prince of of peace. This is Christmas. Jesus, our amazing guide. Jesus, the almighty God in the flesh. The perfect parent is our God and the powerful peace giver. This is Christmas. I want you to turn to anyone and push them. Just push them. I need everybody to push somebody. Just push them. Now, what was your initial response? Push him back. That's called reciprocation, all right? And that's natural for what we do. We want to naturally push back. When we are pushed, we reciprocate. We push back. Don't push me. I'm pushing you, right? That's our sinful nature at work in us. It's the opposite of what Jesus came. We are great at reciprocation, but Jesus came for reconciliation, He came for a totally different mission. When someone does wrong to us, it's our natural inclination to do the same or worse. Maybe the silent treatment, start rumors, share information told in confidence. The intention when we are pushed is to push back with the intention to hurt. All relational strife is based on reciprocation. But God did something completely different. We say, God forgets you. I don't want you. I don't want to know anything about you. God has every reason. He has every reason to reciprocate and say, I don't want you. I don't need you. And you think I'm your enemy? Well, guess what? You are my enemy. But that verse says, while we were yet enemies, while we were yet sinners, he didn't reciprocate. He did just the opposite. What did he do? He reconciled. Why did he do this? Isaiah 9, 6 says, for to us. For to us. That's reconciliation. That's why he did it. God did it for to us. That's Christmas. He was offended. He was robbed. 
Yet, he paid for it himself. He broke the cycle. He made the first move. Jesus came to be the pushback. Jesus came to be the shock absorber for his own wrath. That baby boy was born to take our punishment. Who would have thought a baby? God himself, a baby. Emmanuel, he is God with us. I want you to watch this video and then we're going to wrap this up. We're just going to skip that video. It's all right. We don't need a video to get us to where the Bible says we can go. He is holy. We are not. We are full of sin and pride. He was not born to a queen, but to a peasant. Not born in a big city, but in a tiny town. Not born into a party, but into poverty. He came in humility and expects us to respond in humility. Born to suffer, born to die, born to be buried, born to rise. So how do we respond to Christmas? Three simple things, and I want to pray for you. Very short is this. How do we respond to the Christmas tree? Number one, receive it. We had said earlier that if all who receive him, who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Do you know him? Do you know that you know that you know you are in right relationship with him? You can know that today. You might just miss Christmas if you think it's better to give than to receive. Because Christmas is first receiving what Christ has done for us. The second thing is we need to replicate it. Not only do we receive it, but we must replicate it. That means uh, I don't just want to know salvation. I want everyone to know salvation. I want to give it. I want my friends to know this salvation. I want my coworker. I want my family. I want my parents. I want my kids. I want that gym trainer. I, I want that teller. I want the post office guy. Uh, I want those people to know this great gift, not just me. And we are to now replicate it. Second Corinthians, the Apostle Paul said this in verse 5, uh, starting at 17, the verse we love is this one. It's one of my favorite. If anyone be in Christ, is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Boom, that's Christmas. But listen, we are now to replicate it. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Now Christmas is our turn. Now it's our turn. He says that is Christ. That in Christ, God has reconciled the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against him, and entrusting this, excuse me, entrusting this message to us. He's entrusted this gift, this message to us with this message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors of Christ, God making his appeal through us. How great would Christmas be if you were to lead someone to Christ this Christmas? How great would it be if your best friend, if that parent, if that 
family member, if your sister, how great would it be if you were part of God's plan at Christmas for them to receive the greatest gift their life will ever have? Replicate it. And number three, not only to receive it, do we replicate it, but we are to repeat it. In our relationships, we are to be with others where God is with us. Jesus chose not to reciprocate, but to reconciliate, to exercise forgiveness instead of wrath, to show love. This past week, we, uh, we had some toner delivered at the home office, and the copy lady came, and, and uh, she was talking to me, and she said just the night before, she was driving home, and a car cut her off in front of her, and she kind of laid on her horn for a little bit because it just totally freaked her out. She almost went off the road, and she was all shook up. Well, this car ended up slowing down and then speeding up and then whipped out behind her and started flashing brights and honking at her. She was scared, and that car began to follow her all the way home. She thought she lost him when she pulled into her apartment complex, but when she gets out of her car, they pull up right behind her. It's a man and a woman. They jump out of the car. This just happened this week. And this woman begins to punch her in the face, knocks her to the ground, and starts kicking her in the chest. She had several broken ribs, and she shows up. Her face is all bruised up. And then the guy gets out of the car. He's laughing. He busts in her taillight. She starts screaming, and they jump in the car and, and drive off. And I said, and, 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 you know, we'd never really had spiritual talks before, right? She's the copy lady. <laughs> and uh, I said, well, how did you deal with this? And she says, man, I just prayed and I prayed and I just talked to my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And I just began to quote scripture and I just began to forgive. And I just, you know, I did call the police, <laughs> you know. Uh, chances of them finding them are probably pretty slim, but she said, it's just the, the peace of God. And she's still shaking. I'm like, I just have to trust that Jesus is going to work this through me and to, to be like Christ in this moment. I thought, that's powerful. That's repeating the behavior of Christ when he is attacked that we don't reciprocate. Some of you have been abused, lied to, cheated on, stolen from. What do you do? Look to the tree. Look to the Christmas tree. God shows us his kindness and grace and mercy daily. We are to do the same. I want to end with the story. And there was a doctor. His name is Dr. Richard Selzer. And in his book, Mortal Lessons, writes this in his book. He says, he once performed a surgery on a beautiful woman to take a tumor out of the side of her face just before Christmas. He knew that when he took the tumor out, this lady's mouth would be droopy and disfigured and disformed. And he took this tumor out, and she was to be deformed for the rest of her life. Well, Dr. Selzer said that when the woman recovered from surgery, she immediately asked for a mirror. And as she looked in the mirror, she was shaken and shocked. Then her husband said, honey, I like your mouth. I think it looks great. And then Dr. Selzer watched as the husband reached down to kiss his wife on the lips. And right before his lips touched hers, he accommodated his mouth to hers. Dr. Selzer bows his head in the book, and he said, at that moment, I said, that's Christmas. See, we're distorted. We're warped. We're disfigured in spirit. 
Yet God in his grace sent Jesus wrapped in skin to accommodate us. Isn't it time that you receive the kiss of heaven? Let's pray. God, I thank you that you came. You conformed yourself into our image so that we could know you. God, if there's anyone here that doesn't know you this morning, I pray that this would be the morning, this would be the Christmas holiday, that they said yes to Jesus. If that's you this morning, where you just say yes to Jesus right now in your own words, say, Jesus, here I am, I turn to you. In your own words, Jesus, I turn to you. I lay my life at your feet. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for the blood that was shed for me. I recognize my problem of sin. Forgive me of my sin. In your own words, tell him, forgive me of my sin. I give you my life. Teach me to walk with you beginning today. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Living with Church podcast. If you enjoyed this message, we hope you come visit us in Garland, Texas. For directions and more information about the church, go to www.livingwaychurch.cc.